Then put your little hand in mine There ain't no hill or mountain we can't climb Welcome to Groundhog Minute The podcast where we celebrate the 1993 classic Groundhog Day One repetitive minute at a time I'm your host, Sean And I'm your other host, Dave And joining us today, we have special guests Scott Philbrook and Forrest Burgess of the Astonishing Legends podcast. Welcome, guys. Hey, thanks for having us. Thank you. We're glad to be here. Oh, well, I'm excited. Big fan. Excited to have you here. And just, yeah, just wanted to, just wanted to bring you guys into the, the Movies by Minutes cult that we have going. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank No, thank you. I know uh, uh, Dave's uh, been a longtime listener to us, so we really appreciate that. And uh, I've listened to uh, a good bunch of your uh, your Groundhog Minute uh, show, and and uh, it's a lot of fun. It's I I never really heard heard of this minute by minute um, movie analysis. I think before uh, I'd heard of Gar- Groundhog Minute. Yeah, it started all the way back. It was Star Wars Minute, and then most of the the, sh- the movies you know and love, they have their own podcast, and. Uh, yeah, and so and then we're going to even have our own meetup in uh, in Denver in uh, August. Oh wow! Yeah. Yes. No, it's a great idea. I <laughs> to, to uh, especially for you know movies we all grew up loving, and uh, and certainly this one I've, you know we've seen a, a bunch of times, so it's fun to go back. And I haven't seen it in, in a few years, so I had to rent it and uh, have been scrutinizing it uh, very closely ever since. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you doing the meetup in Denver? Uh, it's called the Bug Theater, and it's, I believe, I was looking at the map, it's like, I think it's, I would consider it the northwest section of the city. Okay. Sure. And yeah, we're going to have just meetups and talk about, you know, how to how to podcast and how to host and really just, yeah, a good get-together since everyone just records all around the country and even some in foreign countries, so we'll <laughs> get a few people to meet up. Wow, that's great. That's great. I asked, you know, I used to live in Denver when I was a kid. My dad still lives there, so I'm there frequently. Cool, nice. If any of the listeners want to meet us and in, in the other podcasts, yeah, Denver on August 18th, the first one. This is actually the second annual. We did it last year in, in Chicago and had a great time. And like Dave said, there was some some instructional stuff. There was some live. I guess you could say like live podcasting, although no one recorded it, so it never actually got podcast it but so if you want to you want to see what goes on at these things you'll have to show up yourself uh-huh awesome. yeah it's it's so it's more like a a presentation i guess yeah i guess just live you know live theater performance yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh yeah so there you go and uh, yeah so so welcome again to the show we're very excited to have you two here and we've asked you to join us for minute 81 uh so dave set the set the stage Minute 81. Okay. In minute 81, Phil tries to be a selfless savior, giving the old man a hot meal at the diner, but the man still passes away in the alleyway, and Phil faces uh, more impossible tasks. So really, this is a, it's a, it's a sad episode. We got a sad one here for you guys. It is a, it is kind of a sad Yeah, minute, I was, yeah. when I got, I when I, yeah, when I loaded this one up, I was like, oh no, not this guy. <laughs> Poor dude. <laughs> well, you know, it was funny. I've heard you guys talk about uh, on the show before the similarities or parallels 
uh, or similar themes to Scrooge, another Bill Murray classic. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's immediately what I thought. It's like the, it's him in Scrooge where he goes back and it's, it's Michael J. Pollard, uh, you know, who are um, and I think a couple of other homeless guys. And he's he's frozen to death and he has it's a real touching moment because he realizes this is uh, at least for Phil here. This is real. Uh, people die. It's real life. Yeah, I think that's 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 a great. I mean, you start the minute with that line of "not today." Like he's like he has he's kind of had that god complex where he's like, "No, I can control everything. I can make it that no one will no one will be harmed. No one will die." But that that nurse, I mean, even outside of the idea of him repeating every day, she knows it's just not just it can't happen. Yeah, it, it's it's like um, you know, it's that going back in times because you know because it's kind of a time travel movie in a way and. Uh, you can, it's that scenario where you can try and change something, but, uh, some things are inevitable, you know, you, you can't, uh, you don't have any control over it, but you could try and influence it, you know, which, which is what he's doing by, uh, giving the old guy a, uh, open faced hot turkey sandwich, which looks delicious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's always a good order at the diner. The, uh, <laughs> that, and then the two, two, two bowls of chicken noodle soup too. So he's. <laughs> He's really loading the guy up, and uh, well, and it's and it's also Phil like coming around to uh, uh, you know evolving from his predicament into someone who is uh, more caring and a little more selfless. Like he's going through that evolution. Yeah, we see that last step. So we've seen Phil be a more giving, a more outward person, more willing to connect and, and help out the people around him. And there's, I think this is like the final step, the final lesson that he has to learn. And we, and we see this in, in this minute, as you talked about, Dave, in this minute starts with um, the end of well, the, the previous minute is Phil brings the old man to the hospital and he passes away. And, and the nurse says, you know, sometimes people just die. And, and Phil says, not today. So we start off with that, that not today. That yeah. statement of like, he has power, he can control. It's a small realm. It's one day of the year, but it's Phil's realm and he controls it. And then at the very end of the minute, we we end with Phil looking up. He's on his knees in an alley. The old man has just passed away and he, he's looking to the sky in powerlessness. Yeah. Um, you know, if, yeah. if, if there was any seriousness or any belief to Phil's proclamation that he was a god... Um, I think at this point he's been disabused of that notion that now, you know, God has come down and said, you think you're a God, but there are things even you don't control. There are things out of your power. And I think this is, this is the last lesson for, for Phil to learn. And it's, it's a cold one in the, on the director's commentary on the Blu-ray, Harold Ramis says, uh, the studio wanted to take out this sequence, this bit with the Mm -hmm. old man. And, And it's, it's a bit of a downer uh, to a movie that's generally considered a a comedy, but Ramis stuck to his guns. He said, "You know, kind of the, the movie's toothless. There isn't really, you know, there isn't really any lesson or, or point to the whole thing if Phil doesn't learn this lesson. If he kind of isn't faced with this ultimate powerlessness at the end of at the end of life." Um, yeah, that's a valid yeah. point. I mean, it's it has to be. You have to run to this extreme to to get because the comedy needs something to play off of and the and the way that that works is is the reality of it it gives it more depth 
So yeah, as you I'm said, with- it's you know it's a cautionary tale. I mean that's it's a comedy, but it really is you know like you guys have mentioned before, it's uh, it's like a Christmas Carol or Scrooge in, in that way. In that you know Phil, there, there's it's not just him. There are people living, real people in his world. But uh, you know, as he looks up, kind of the message is it's not. It's about him. He's got to improve himself. That's what these, you know, that's what this exercise is about. And, you know, all the other people that are in his life, you know, he's got to treat better. You know, that's if he wants to get he's starting to put it together, because as you guys have mentioned in previous minutes, you know, he first he first starts off trying to game the system. You know, he's he's, he's still, you know, lascivious. He's, he's still, you know, he's um, uh, he, he's trying to get uh, either it's money or just uh, women in town. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's trying to work it and it does work a little bit. But it's it's like that. Again, you're going back to trying to change all the elements to have it fit your outcome. And, uh, you know, I just uh, was watching the um the, the slapping montage you know, where he just gets no, no matter what he's doing, uh, how he's trying to approach Rita and how much he's really trying to be endearing to her. She ultimately figures it out like she gets that weird sense of deja vu. And it's like, this is right. And you're not being genuine. And, and that's the lesson is that you just can't go through the motions. You got to be genuine about it. You know, he's got to really want to change himself. And that's, you know, I think that's the, the point here when he looks up to the sky. It's um yeah, he he can't save anybody really, but he's he's got to save himself. Yeah, i i think I think what's another sad thing is after watching this minute was I realized that maybe Phil it's never said if any it's subtext, but that this man has no one. This old man has no friends. He has no connection to anyone in this town. Like no one ever even talks to him or like you know greets him in any way. And if Phil. You know, Phil. Does, Phil knows it's like if I don't do anything for him, like he will die alone, and no one's no one's going to help him, no matter where I put him. I can't just like pass him off to some old war buddy of his. I can't just take him down a bowling alley and someone will rec- recognize him. It seems like this old man is just destined to sadly die of old age in this town where no one knows who he is. And you know, the fact that he's never credited outside of old man. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I noticed that. I looked him up on IMDb. And uh, he's just listed as old, you know, g- generic old man. And and, and so he's, you know, That's he's just kind of representative. Well. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Who's um, he'd been in a lot of stuff. I guess he was a theater actor uh, back in the day. But um, yeah, it's it's uh, the point is that even if he does die in the end, this act stands on its own. It's like the person who has come into his life or he's noticed him in town where no one else has uh, be, so he can help him. He can he can do something and, and maybe it's just fleeting, but it's that act alone is is got some value to it. Mm. I, I think, yeah, it's it's almost like, you know, you bring up Scrooge. It does make it's, this is almost this is almost like the, uh, the the Christmas of the future where Phil, you know, when he starts this movie off, people know him. He has a little bit of, of, of fame around the studio and stuff. But he he pushes everyone away. He, he pushes Rita away, Larry away, the other uh, newscaster, the other weatherman. It's like he doesn't want to be bothered with any of them. And this is he like could see is like this is where my life could lead if I pushed everyone away. Then all, this is all I am. I'm just an, a, a man living alone, sadly dying alone. And what does Mrs. Lancaster say to him every morning? How did you sleep? And he originally used to say, you know, I slept alone. Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> So this is this is him looking at it and and I don't I don't know what the final answer is because I know you know he 
goes to the ball eventually with Rita and then and he wakes up with her and the day goes, the next day happens and we end the film. But I'd almost be like if he purposely gets the man cleaned up, brings him to the ball, he knows the man's, the man will die. And then essentially like walk over to him, like, you know, maybe like close his eyes and say his name was Gary and he was a good, and it's, it's almost like he should, like if anything, uh, bring the attention to who this man was. Like, so people will remember this man, Gary, this nice man who Phil brought, sadly died at the ball, and Phil was the first person to stand up and cheer and, and, and toast to the man's life. Something like that. I'm not saying it has to happen, but I'm saying it would be a nice little idea. Yeah, he's he's part of that world, you know, so it, it's also, um, you know, I mean, all the other people are, they're all just doing their own things, however they got, you know, to where they are in, in Punxsutawney, they... They have their own lives, and it's it's weird. Just by uh, Phil going through all those motions again, he's he's now really intimate, uh, you know, with with everybody. At least he knows them, and uh, it's like it's like there's no small bits here. There's no small parts. Everyone plays a part in this town and in this little recurring world of his. How did you guys feel? And Sean, tell me about this one. How did you feel with him calling him Pop? Almost as like calling him a, a father. You know, you go, come on, dad, come on, pop. I don't know. You know, I didn't I didn't make that connection there. I felt like more of it was a slang for him, you know, the, the nature of his character a little bit. Um, that's it's an interesting question, though, now that you bring it up. But I guess if we'd had more backstory on Phil and, you know, I don't think he ever does. He ever say anything about his dad in the movie as uh, a character? The one line uh, when he's driving the car with the with the drunks. As he talks about, he's like, he's like saying like, uh, stand up, don't be rude to your sister. Yeah, Take yeah. it like a man, like the line, take it like a man. I just get this vibe that like maybe his father was very strict. Maybe his father was very uh, distant with like tough love. So yeah. Maybe, yeah, that's a good point. Maybe that this man that, you know, this maybe his father also like died and maybe Phil watched his father die of just heart attack, just old age, just something. And right. And that just that stays with Phil, and now he sees this old man dying again here, right in front of him. There's, and and it's just interesting, like maybe yeah, maybe the old man says, "Oh, just call me Pop," because you think that yeah, Phil would reach out and try and get a connection with this man. Right. That's a that's a good point. I forgot about that dialogue in the car. That's interesting. Right. Well, I thought that relates. Well, I didn't think about this before, but now talking about Scrooge and the Christmas Carol, I think that personalizes it in a in a new way to to see that you know kind of we grow up and we we kind of become our parents we take on yeah you know a lot of times and 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 sometimes more than we're comfortable with we kind of take on the traits of what we've seen our parents Mm -hmm. do so maybe phil this kind of personalizes it to phil to see this is this could be me or this will be me in 20 30 40 years um you know this is the way i'm heading to to you know, die alone and unsung and unwept for, and you know, in an alley. And, and one of the things I noted is all the scenes that show the old man with Phil in the alley. There's always people in the background. There's people mm. walking past. There's people walking down right. the street, just mm. going out of their business. No one else looks down this way. No one else notices what's going on. Just life in this town is going on all around them, and you know, ignoring this old man and, and Phil to a certain extent when, when they're together. So I think that kind of, 
you know, that, that kind of per, you know, shows it's, it's connecting to Phil. It's kind of personalizing it in that way. Yeah, that, no, that was interesting. I also, um, again, making that connection to Scrooge in that one, you do see, you know, he has that flashback, uh, with the ghost of Christmas past where he doesn't have a great relationship with his father, who was just kind of a, you know, working class guy, kind of distant. He, he brings him a, a, like a pound of veal for, <laughs> for Christmas yeah. Eve as a present, uh, which I would enjoy now as an adult, of course. But, uh, <laughs> you know, back then it's just like, it's just a weird relationship with your kid. It's just very, distance so he he sinks into the world of tv which is where he gets interested in that and if you know with phil here uh not that it was maybe that brutal or i mean i guess that you know blunt and um you know brusque of a relationship but uh yeah i think he he may have had a father who was just kind of strict and you know kind of a cliche in that way just kind of distant and it didn't it, it didn't matter to him when he got older he you know he, he kind of tuned out perhaps his dad and here's a father figure where he's not you know ultimately he learns not to ignore him in old age that you know he still matters and and yeah there could be a, a father tie in there you know where uh because he's going to end up you know if he makes it past this day he'll also get old along with everyone else that it almost feels like yeah like all the times that he's killed himself to restart the day he never had to be Rita or Larry in those moments where they had to identify the body of their coworker, who right. did who did some horrific act, who jumped off the thing, who who got blown up in a truck, and you know he now has to see death, and then he has that's going to stay with him. He's going to be like, I know this man's going to die every day, and there's nothing I can do about it. The best I can do is like hold that man's memory and not just yeah, not just walk on by. Yeah, ironically, he he can't die. You know, he he's been he's been trying to kill himself, and uh, uh, you know, not that that's any consolation, but it's it's uh, obviously it it makes that point too that life is interrupted for him uh, until something you know something is supposed to happen, and he, you know he's slowly figuring that out. But all around him, even repetitively, you know, life is you know that circle of life keeps going on. So uh, whereas his is a it's a different kind of cycle. It's it's not progressing. It's just kind of, you know, going over and over again. Yeah, I think that, well, this is something that has to, that Phil, you know, assuming that this loop will end at some point, Phil's going to have to readjust to regular life where you live each day once and then you move on to the next day. And I feel like this is, there's some parallels in a lot of other instruction that you start off with sort of broad strokes when you're learning something new, some new skill or something, just kind of learn it at a high level. And then later you have to go back into the very specifics if you want to tweak it, if you really want to get to that expert level. So Phil has kind of worked in these broad strokes of, um, you know, how can I be a better person? How can I be better to the people around me? How can I lead a more fulfilling life? with this loop of, well, I get to do things over again, or I get to leverage the knowledge of knowing something's going to happen before it does, because I've lived the same day over and over again. But then he's got to get back into the specifics of, well, once you're out of this loop, things are finite, that you only get one chance, and that you're not going to have an infinity or a thousand lifetimes to figure all these different things out. So this has got to remind him kind of the immediacy of of life that everyone else is living 
that Phil is eventually going to return to outside of this loop to kind of bring it down to, um, yeah, you can, you know, this, you, you can't lean too much on the crutch of this loop that, that this is, I think this is, man, this is maybe the first sign. And I think we, we would kind of expect that this is going to end. It'd be kind of a strange movie. If an even stranger movie, if it ended and Phil was still in the loop, I don't know how, what kind of ending you have then, <laughs> but this is kind of, um, you know, there, there've been things where we've seen Phil kind of change his attitude and grow and, um, and just try different things with this loop or kind of have different attitudes towards a situation from kind of playful to depressed to, um, more optimistic. But this is, I think, the first sign where there's a definite arrow pointing to an end. And it's, you know, by by showing, okay, you can't save everyone, you can't do anything, there is a limit to even your power, Phil Connors. Right. Now, now you guys uh, know a lot of the, the background story, especially, you know, on the, on the, you know, the studio side of it. Uh, and you may have discussed this before, but was there any you know, alternate uh, ideas for the ending, like studio notes that, like you said, it's kind of a, a da- I mean, it's uplifting, of course, uh, uh, towards, you know, you get to the end here, but was there any kind of consideration for for something else? Uh, you know, kind of like what you mentioned, where they, they didn't want to show the homeless guy, you know, because it was kind of a downer. Um, but do you know of anything, uh, an alternate uh, uh, idea for it? The only alternate ending that I really know of that I can think of. And it's the ending. Well, so that it ends, it still ends for Phil. We still see him make it to February 3rd. And then what happens is the next day. Now it's Rita who's in the loop. The original screenplay Uh. from Danny Rubin actually had sort of a twist ending where then Rita is living February 3rd over and over again. And she's stuck in her own loop. (laughs) Well, why? Yeah. Yeah, why is why is she why is she cursed? She seems fine. It's like yeah, it's, it's gotta learn know, it's, not to toast a world peace and be like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop! You're getting you're too mushy. You gotta, I think I I feel like she should take uh, take that her Groundhog Day and maybe take some acting classes. But that's just me. Oh, oh, hey, a, a fellow Carolinian. Oh man! I know, I know. That's harsh. I'm being harsh. You know what I think about when I, this movie? I always think, of, and I don't know when I saw this, but you know, in 1959, and maybe you guys have already talked about this. I don't. You, did you have you guys talked about uh, the Twilight Zone episode, Shadow Play, on, in your series? Well, we haven't. No, I don't think we. Have. Okay, so I, then I, I yeah, because I didn't want to be redundant for your audience, but you know, in, in episode 62 of uh, the Twilight Zone came on 1959. It's called Shadow Play, and it stars Dennis Weaver as a convict who's been uh, sentenced to death. And his Groundhog Day, and this was the first time I saw this, and I, I guess I was a kid, or maybe I was in college watching Twilight Zone reruns, which I used to do back when they used to come on. And what happens is every time he gets executed at the he pops back into the courtroom and so his he's got to relive this trial over and over and over and he just keeps getting executed it's Whoa. pretty yeah, amazing we've, ta- we've talked about and it remember, on the uh, on the show um yeah I, I we have remember, mentioned and it on our rather show. recently right yeah uh, yeah it's but it's so fascinating to me you know the the parallels there you know between that and you know i i wonder where the inspiration for groundhog day came from i wonder if that you know if there's a little bit of something from that just because that that's definitely the original kind of living the day over and over, but that's also a really broad allegorical idea, you know? So I don't know. 
you know, there's there's probably other sources, too. But it's interesting. And that's a very creepy Twilight Zone. Most of them were. But well, that's, uh, you know, the, the twist on that. And, and uh, you know, when Scott and I have, have ever talked about uh, uh, reincarnation, of course, this is a, a big theme here uh, with Groundhog Day, is that one theory or idea is that you you were kind of with the same people throughout various lifetimes, um, reliving them, but you could switch parts. Your, you know, your uncle may have been your father. You have, you may have been uh, cousin to your brother. It's just all these, all these roles differently change. And I recently just heard something that was kind of, um, kind of chilling, I guess, but also very interesting. I'm not sure if it came in as a, as an email to our show, uh, or it was on our Facebook group, or I'm not sure where I read it, but uh, it's it's what it comes under the category of uh, really odd, chilling things that children have said to their parents. And uh, this little girl, who's maybe three or four, had told her mother, uh, or asked her mother, uh, "Do you remember when I was your aunt?" And it's like, well, uh, and <laughs> what do you say to that? You know, it's like, and and what a strange thing for a three year old. Well, then it's, I you would know, uh, start asking more questions. Yeah. Uh, well, apparently, yeah, the woman uh, had an aunt who passed away, of course, before the child was born. So uh, who knows? It's just it's one of those grander, broader life mysteries. Um, but in the Dennis Weaver episode of the of the Twilight Zone, it's chilling in that he's he remembers uh, each time and he cannot yeah. stop the madness. Because, uh, yeah, the judge is now the prosecutor. It's just all the roles keep changing. And it's an awful moment. Whereas, you know, with Phil, it's just and then one of my favorite just humorous scenes where he's he's trying to relive the perfect day with Rita. And uh, I remember just bursting out laughing in the theater was just he's he's gone manic trying to rebuild that snowman and have the snowball fight. And she's just looking at him. She, you know, she's like, you're what are you nuts? I mean, because she's not seen him do that before in an instance. But she knows, like, this guy's off. Like, what are you what are you trying to do? And he's just going manic. Like, I'm just doing all the steps again. This should work. And it it doesn't. Now, now Sean, we, we didn't bring this up yet, but uh, Robert Black in our Facebook group, he brought up that alternate ending to the old man yeah yeah so let's we, we can talk about that because that would have um now this little bit or, or the very end where phil's kind of just looking up to it to to the heavens and powerlessness that bleeds over to the next minute for a few seconds but basically at the end of this minute before the next scene uh there was there's a deleted scene they filmed that well there's there's a couple there's a couple parts of it there's a different there's a separate part that shows phil he's like in the library he's flipping through medical books He's got the x-rays. I guess he's got like the charts from the old man and he's trying to look things up, trying to save him. And then later, the part that would come right after this is uh, Phil is in the alley with the old man. He covers him with a blanket and then uh, stuffs something into his shirt, in, into the old man's jacket or shirt and walks away. And just as Phil is walking away, an ambulance turns the corner and drives into the alley. And the, the, the paramedics and EMTs get out of the ambulance. They walk over. They, they pull back the blanket and they see the, the dead man. And one of the EMTs notices there's a piece of paper stuffed in the old man's jacket. And he, he takes the piece of paper out and folds it and he reads it. And it says, Every night by the cold bricks glow, 
I watched the shadow rising from this old man in the snow. At 8.02, he let it go. Mm. Mm. And yeah, and that's, and then kind of one of the, the the EMT just sort of shakes his head and repeats the line. At 8.02, he let it go. Mm. Wow, that's nice. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. So it, it <laughs> kind of puts a, a cap to it. I just, in case I think, I mean, I think we can kind of figure out that this is, um, that when the action moves on and we still move, you know, when Phil moves on to other activities around the town, that this bit is final, that there's, there's sort of a, you know, the, the ultimate powerlessness that we've been talking about. Yeah. That, that Phil isn't going to be able to fix this, that Phil can't change this one particular outcome. And I think in case, uh, I mean, I think we get it as an audience. I think it's pretty clear, but just in case, you know, the, there, yeah, there was that extra scene that was a little more explicit, just kind of eventually, you know, Phil just makes sure. And it, it kind of, though it is, it kind of leaves an open question of, so, you know, does Phil just kind of leave this guy in an alley? Like what happens next? Because for us, the next minute it cuts right to the next day, gobbler's knob, Phil giving a speech. So yeah. And that scene lets us know that at least if he can't save the man, at least he makes sure that, that the body is found. And there is a little bit, you know, that kind of someone remembers. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's, it's, you know, at that point of, uh, you know, him going around doing good deeds, is you know there's also the larger picture is that no matter how much you want to help you can't do everything <laughs> you, you know he's he can't save everybody or help everybody in their predicament and um even saving lives you know i mean i don't know this mm-hmm. statistically but in punxatani maybe that day two or three people are are going to die you know the not to jump ahead but the you know a kid falling out of the tree um there's different things that he can do but you can only do so much and, you know, that's also a life lesson. You you know, you have to um, you do what you can, mm-hmm. uh, but you also have to take care of your own business uh, as well. You know, you just it's um, there has to be a balance, I guess. Right. Well, and you don't you don't know, even if you think, oh, my, my I have a mission, I have a mandate to help people. That doesn't mean, you know, what help every different person needs for every different situation. Yeah, exactly. So we see, yeah. So, you know, we see, you know, Phil is going to save Buster. He's, he's choking in the restaurant. Phil comes in and does the Heimlich and, and that's kind of the help that Buster needed in that situation or the kid falling out of the tree. It needs, you know, needs to be caught or is his fall cushion. That's the help he needs. Maybe the help that the old man needed at this point was just, just yeah, call the you know call the paramedics, call someone to make sure that the body is properly looked after and and remember him. Maybe that that's maybe that's the help that the old man needs in this situation, not not the open faced turkey sandwich and the soup. Although those, <laughs> right. although those are nice, you know, no, no <laughs> one's gonna yeah. say no to that. But maybe that's just you know Phil's first thought is I can save this man, yeah. and maybe that's just not. Maybe this he's not in a situation where 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 savings an option where ultimately Phil does find the right kind of help for the situation. It's just making sure someone finds the body and that he's remembered. Yeah, that's the lesson you know to Phil directly because again it's it's like uh, 
you look at what's the purpose of this or from Phil's POV, whatever the, the old guy did to get into his life or, you know, tragic circumstances happened to him. You know, he's where he's at, uh, you know, probably largely through his own actions, which Phil has no responsibility over, but he can help him in this instant and, uh, you know, carry his memory on and do the little bit that he's he's able to do. You know, he can't go back and and fix this guy's life or even uh you know, get him set up too much. He only has a day to work with. So, you know, that's also a, a nice message of the film and that it's, you don't have to do giant grand sweeping gestures. You could do a little something and, mm-hmm. and that we all can, you know, and that's, and he makes that comment to, to Rita is that, you know, when kind of telling her what he knows about her and she's, she's kind to strangers. And, and so she's a, she's a model, which makes the, the other idea of her reliving this life kind of strange, unless it's all just sunshine and rainbows and, and endlessly, or that she's got her own things to work on. But that, that idea is, um, interesting. But yeah, it's just, you know, the people that have come into Phil's life that he's interacting with, no matter how annoying, if they're, if it's just, you know, Ned Ryerson, if you look at it differently, they're not just annoyances in your day. They have their own things going on, and 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 certainly, you know, people are annoying, but um, you don't have to take it that way. You know, it's like you don't have to, you don't have to to initiate and um, and and take you know the relationship even with strangers you just meet in a negative way. And life's much easier when you don't. It's a lot happier. Yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> well, God, there you go. It's uh, I, I get yeah, all my no, philosophy yeah, off yeah, of uh, Snapple yeah. lids, and <laughs> but it's, uh, but yeah, it's you know, I uh, we we talked about this, I think, in uh, who's it? Rob Christofferson, who's uh, one of our research members and has his own podcast, Our Strange Skies, uh, sent us a. It was a commencement speech by. David Foster Wallace, uh, which I thought was really kind of poignant. And, you know, he had a similar thing about getting in, essentially getting into other people's shoes and trying to imagine what uh, what their day is like, what their life is like and having a little bit of empathy. It's like, you know, that that guy that cut you off, you and you get mad at him and you flip him off and honk your horn. It's like, yeah, that's he shouldn't have done that. That's an annoyance. Uh, but you don't know what he's going through. Maybe he has to get to the hospital. Maybe his his mother's sick. Um, he's having a bad day. He just got fired. Like you, you don't know. So before you're too quick to pass people off or just see what they could do for you, um, try and have some empathy and imagine what what they're going through. So that's another big Phil lesson there. It's it's as he's moving away. It's all about you know again at the at the front uh, at the very beginning. You know when he's just talking about moving up to another job or another network. Um, even if it's the home shopping network, he's it's just all about him. It's just what can you do for me? And if you can't do anything, I don't need you in my face. You know, I don't yeah. have time for you. And so he's he's kind of slowly coming around here. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's such a, a big deal. It's like he's e- even when he's kind of checked out, he's it, it's still just about him. And then he's he you know, he's slow, he's he's slowly realizing that uh, you just can't fake it either. That doesn't work. Right, right. So, yeah, so that's about all my notes for, for Minute 81. Uh, Scott and Forrest, any, anything else for this minute? Let me see here. I need a, no, uh, I mean, I think we kind of covered it. Yeah, but well, hold on a uh, second here. You know, it's, yes. it's definitely one of the sadder minutes in the movie. I'll say that for sure. 
Yeah. I had a couple of general uh, realizations. Uh, I might as well get out here. Just, <laughs> Please, yeah. And I, yeah, just as I was looking at this, um, uh, tying this into uh, one of our episodes, though, just, just, just the fact of the groundhog being uh, an animal used for you know, to foretell the future uh, goes way back to Etruscan times and, and, and Roman times where you'd you'd observe like the flight of birds and and exactly what they did and what direction they flew. And, uh, you know, the augurs or the priests would uh, try and uh, uh, foretell. Yeah. Foretell the future as an as an omen. So it's kind of the same thing. Like things things also don't change with with history. Uh, we keep they, the, the scenarios change and certainly you know, all of our modern trappings, but uh, the same human ideas kind of continue on throughout history. So I thought that was a fun thing. Yeah. Oh, Etruscan, yeah. <laughs> you got to work them in. I got to use my, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. my uh, you know, yeah, That's... The, the knowledge I've, I've gained from uh, doing those Great Courses Plus yeah, um, you got it, yeah. <laughs> episodes. So. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I just thought it's, it's like, uh, uh, and then also when he says, uh, you know, Phil says later, y'all a bunch of hypocrites <laughs> used to eat this thing. And, uh, like, yeah, that, that hasn't changed either. Well, it does nowadays. Yeah. You don't really want to feast on groundhog, but, uh, um, yeah, people have not changed. It's, it's just the, uh, the scenarios that they find themselves in change. Oh, that's, that's, yeah, that's, it's true. Uh, so Scott Forrest, we want to thank you for joining us and please let our listeners know where they can find more of you. Well, Astonishing Legends is pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. And even now, I guess if you have uh, a, a smart speaker, you can ask it to play us. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, of course. Um, hey, we have a website. Radio, um, I think. We have a website, yeah. AstonishingLegends.com. You can find us there. And also, uh, with, with each episode, there's all the show notes and uh, some fun links. And uh, we'll certainly have a link to... Uh, you know, to your show here and uh, where you can find us and all the great uh, shows also like five minutes of mystery and different things like that. Right. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. No, no, Scott doesn't even check it out, but I put a lot of work into it. So I try to drive, try to drive uh, viewers uh, to the website, but yeah, any, anywhere you get your podcast, you can find us. Uh, we're on the audio boom platform. And so you can check out uh, that network and all the uh, fun shows over there. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting show. It's it's amazing that there are things to talk about that aren't movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, uh, we, you know that's a, it's it's funny because when we uh, when we started our podcast, we, you know we love movies. I have a uh, I went to film school, have a degree in and you know uh, cinema critical studies. And it just comes up. It's going to happen. And, you know, people would write in like, hey, can you guys stop talking about movie references? And it's, you know, my answer is like, no, um, it's, <laughs> no I'm sorry. No. It's yeah. going to happen. I, it's just going to happen organically. We're try we try to be very conversational and, and, uh, it's, it's like we're discussing here. There's a, you know, art imitates life and vice versa. It's, uh, there's a lot of great things you can learn from movies. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. Ah, I there agree. you go. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so, well, that is it for us. Thank you uh, once again, Forrest and Scott. We hope you can come on back tomorrow. Um, I want to thank the listeners out there in podcast land. Thank you for listening. And, and we will see you tomorrow, if there is one. <laughs> All right, see you then. <laughs>